0: Hey I'm Brandon and I'm Hannah and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy the message. Well good morning. We are in week two of a series that we have called All In and we're talking about what it means to really follow Jesus. Last week Brandon talked about how following Jesus is a progression. It's a one step after another leading you into a deeper relationship. And following Jesus is easy. I hear a little bit of music. That's right, it's ambiance. Let's go. Um, Following Jesus is easy as long as it's you and Jesus, right? But when we start bringing in other relationships, following Jesus gets a little messy. And unfortunately, following Jesus always includes other people. Because no man is an island. Every person has relationships. So how do we follow Jesus in these relationships? So Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. You should love one another. So Jesus teaches us to take our cues for him. Let's follow him. Let's react how he would react. Let's respond in our relationships how he would respond. And this can be hard, right? Because we all have at least one person that when they aggravate us, we have a really hard time responding to in the right way. Yep, whether it's a sibling, a parent, maybe it's a mother-in-law or a daughter-in-law, just sticking to stereotypes on that one. But really, I could stay in our family dynamics and our family relationships, but, but really this spills into all of our other relationships. Maybe with our boss or with an employee It can be as simple as responding in the right way to a cashier that's rude to you while you're checking out. But Jesus says he wants us to follow his lead. He wants us to love the same way that he loves us. So to follow Jesus means to love like Jesus. And if we say that we love God, but we don't treat people very well in our lives, then we're not following very well. And I want to challenge us with this thought, that the depth of my relationship vertically is expressed by the depth of my relationships horizontally. The depth of my relationship with God is measured by how well I'm loving people around me. And this sounds simple enough, it sounds simple, just love like Jesus, but really this thought conjures up different pictures and expressions, different expectations of what love means. For some of us, you think of what I call a hippie love. Like, can't we just all get along? Can't we just, you know, there's no real stake in the ground. You've been to every conviction, every tension. And so I I just call it a hippie love. We just just do whatever it takes for, for, for all of us to be at peace. But then some of us have this conditional love. As we see eye to eye, we're good. But if we don't, we're not. So like the moment you start cheering for a different football team than me, then we got a problem, you know? Like, we're, n- we're not talking on the car ride home. I'm not talking about my anniversary, by the way. <laughs> but, but, uh, but Jesus calls us to love like him. And that love is a love that was willing to lay down a life. A love that says, I'll be full of grace and truth. A love that says, I'll love you no matter what, and I'll be honest no matter what. And so today I want to help all of us find the right measuring stick for what it looks like to follow Jesus. So we're going to look at a letter that Paul wrote to a group of, a group of people uh, in Galatia, the so church in Galatia. And they were trying to figure out what it looked like to follow Jesus, what life looked like. And they were struggling with the how and the what. How do I live now that I'm following Jesus? What are the expectations? how do I follow him? And so because of these different expectations, the church had kind of two different factions that formed. You had one group that they were devout Jews that had come to follow Jesus. And so their response to following Jesus was they still stayed under the law. The law was safe. That was what their faith called for before. It felt comfortable. Really God had given it to them. So it wasn't like it was a bad thing. They were just they were going to be steady eddy. They were just going to follow the law. But here's the tension. The tension is, is not everybody was a Jew that started following Jesus. And so their expectation was if you came to start following Jesus, you had to follow the law too. And so people had these different, different mindsets of what that would look like. And so the issue with them being all about the law is that their, their motivation for following the law was off. And they're, 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 the, their understanding of following the law, it was misguided. And so the other group of people, these were, uh, I call them the college freshmen, because they had these like these new freedoms. They were no longer under the law, and they were free. They were just going to live their best life. They were having so much fun. They're, they, they were it didn't matter what, the, what life was before. Jesus had set them free, and they didn't have to follow the law anymore. And here's what Paul saw on both sides. They both were missing the point. This is why this matters for you and for me, because we both can have a misunderstanding of what it means to follow Jesus, and we can be misguided in what our motivations are as we follow him. Listen, following Jesus isn't about following the letter of the law anymore. It's not about living these perfect holy lives. But it's also not about living free and doing whatever we want. Listen, God meant so much more for our lives than that. And so lean in with me as we're going to listen to what Paul is teaching to these Jesus followers. And hopefully it'll help steer us into what it looks like to follow him. Now, Paul says, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. So don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Listen, you've been called to live in freedom, but don't act like the college freshman. Don't act like you can do whatever you want when you want. That's just indulging in your sinful nature because you're calling the shots. You are still in charge. He's saying, listen, don't, don't do that wrestle. And we can all have this. Rest- we can all have this struggle, right? This isn't just contained to Galatia. This is a humanity problem. You know this. This is in our. This is in the United States. This is in our culture. I mean, you just look at simple marketing plans, and you see it everywhere. It's Burger King, Have It Your Way, and it's Outback, No Rules, Just Right, Whatever You Want. And Paul's saying you don't have to use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. There's a new opportunity with your freedom. And it's kind of like mowing grass. Not when Brandon does it, but when I do it. And I'll be honest, don't ask how often that happens. <laughs> just let me, just let, let me make my point. So following the law, following the law for Brandon is mowing the grass. It's on his task list. It's one of the things he does and so on a weekend when we have multiple soccer games, we have a sermon to finish. It's it's raining on Sunday, and he's like, when am I going to cut my grass? I mean, Andy is my next-door neighbor. He's going to judge my grass. <laughs> Andy goes to a new community, by the way. Uh, yeah, he's going to judge my grass. That's when I see everything. I'm like, I just go cut the grass. I, I go, and I start up that lawnmower. And see, it's not like, it's not like I've done something amazing. I just saw Brandon, and it spoke to him. It, it, it mattered to him. Y'all, it was a game changer. He could care less that he has to take me out for dinner after that. Like, the grass is cut. And when we, when we do this, it's the same action. Cutting the grass is the same action, but it has a different end result. It has a different impact. And that's what Paul is leaning into. He's saying now that you aren't under the law, you don't have to live this performance-based life. You don't ever have to cut the grass again. But when you do choose to cut the grass, you're choosing, you're choosing to make a different impact. You're choosing to, to show love in a different way. And that's what Paul, Paul leans into. He says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your freedom to serve. So to say it in another way, it's serving is how you show love. That's the answer. That's your measuring stick. Serving is how you show that you're a Jesus follower. Do you know what serving means? You see a need and you meet it. You see what needs to be done and you do it. And because you're free, you can look for opportunities to serve. And the beautiful thing is, is as you serve, you harness that sinful nature within you, that desire to do only what you want to do when you want, and you make an impact to serve one another and love, all. says. Now, Paul doesn't only lean into the college freshman in the conversation, but he brings it back to that devout follower, and he calls their attention to a, a law that has been around since the very beginning, not the very, but, you know, since they got the law. And he says, listen, the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So how do you do that? You serve your neighbor. Not just when you feel like it, you just serve. And when you see a need, you meet it. And when you see what needs to be done, you do it. Now, here's the tension. Now, both parties were both honestly serving their simple nature because they were they, both sides thought that they were right. And so Paul gives what he says next, gives a warning and a leading to the way that they were leading their lives. Listen, he says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. He's saying, if you bite, watch out because you're gonna self-destruct relationally. And that's what they were doing. He says, watch out, or you will only be serving yourself. And if you only continue to serve yourself, then you will be all by yourself. Listen, the mentality they had, they were serving their, their sinful nature because they were serving that part, the part of them that thought that they knew what's best. And when, that's like, when we think we know what's best, we're not, we're, not serve, we're not following Jesus. And so what Paul says next is he, he leads them on how to fight that mentality. He said, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So in other words, as you learn to follow God, he will lead you in the direction of serving others. He will lead you into loving like Jesus who lay down his life for you and for me. And when we decide to serve someone who doesn't see eye to eye, who isn't on the same page as us, we break the control of the self-centeredness in our lives. Listen, service does damage to self-centeredness. And it's it's like if you're struggling with greed, the antidote for that struggle is to give. And if you struggle with self-centeredness, the antidote for self-centeredness is service. And every time we take away a step away from self-centeredness, we take a step towards breaking that power of sin in our lives. We're living out that freedom that God has given us. And we are following Jesus the same way that he's called us to. When we choose to serve, we're declaring that my I'm not going to allow self-centeredness to rule my life. My posture is is going to mirror my savior's posture and this is why god cares about it so much because jesus wants us to be a conduit of what life can be like as we follow him he wants the people around you the people in your sphere of influence to experience the fruit of his spirit in your life brandon talks about this all the time he says the fruit of a tree is never meant for the tree. You never see a tree eating its own fruit, right? It's meant for the people around it to enjoy it. It's meant so that those seeds can be planted in another soul and they can bear more fruit. The fruit from a tree is never meant for the tree. And as you follow the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is in our lives. As we follow God's Spirit, the fruit of Him is in our lives. That's why we have Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That fruit is in our lives. And people will experience the peace of Christ as we serve them. They'll experience his joy as we serve them. His kindness. Listen. The Bible says it's kindness, uh, the Lord, that leads to repentance. So let's let kindness lead in our serving. And as you allow the fruit of the Spirit to pour out of you as you serve, let the let you, you be that conduit that Christ calls us to be. There's just a, a constant in pouring and outpouring as you serve. Now, if you're like me, you're probably like going through your relationships. And you're thinking, yeah, I can do that in this one. I can serve them. But I think of some people, and I'm like, do I really? Do I have to go there? Like, how far do we have to go? You, you don't know how badly they've hurt me. Some of you are thinking, you know, you know, God's people, they've kind of like sucked me dry. <laughs> I have served them, and I have served, and I, I have no desire to serve. They, they, didn't walk, they didn't follow. They weren't loving me the same way that God was loving. Do I have to go there? And the thing that I love about Jesus is he never asks us to go somewhere that he hasn't already been. We're following him. And Jesus has this moment that kind of takes your breath away. And he had these relationships that were mistreating him and they didn't value him. Relationships that were just, taking and taking and they never reciprocated even up to until the last night of his life and i want us to look at a moment in jesus's uh at the last night of his life and i want us to to follow i want us to learn how we can follow jesus in this in this moment see he was at he was at passover he was with uh his 12 disciples his last meal and so at that meal was Judas, who was about to betray him, and Jesus knew that. Peter was sitting at the table, and he was about to deny him, and Jesus knew that. And there were ten other disciples sitting at the table who were about to abandon Jesus in his time of need, and Jesus knew that. So you have a betrayer, a coward, or cowards, and a denier. Jesus knew all that about them, and he sat down at the table with them. Listen in as I read this familiar story. Now it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, Simon, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray, betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and he had come from God and would return to God. Okay, let me put it this way. So just pretend with me that you are sitting at the table with these 12 people. You're sitting at the table with the person that's about to betray you, that's given you your death sentence. You're sitting at the table with the person that has claimed to be your biggest fan, but he's about to deny you in just a few hours. And you're sitting at a table with a bunch of people that said they got your back no matter what, but then they're gone in your time of need. You're sitting at the table with these people. What would you do? You have all the power. You have all the authority. What would you do? I know what I would do. What would you do? this is what's so powerful for me because Jesus knew that he came from God. He knew that he was going back to God. Jesus knew that he had all the power. Jesus knew that he had all the authority and this is what he chooses to do. Listen. So, I love that word so because that means in light of everything I just said, in light of Simon being at the table, in light of Peter being at the table, in light of all these cowards being at the table, this is what Jesus does. Jesus got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. In the moment that he had all authority, All power. I mean, Jesus was the man. He could have done anything. Jesus decides to get up. He decides to get up from the table. And he decides to serve. What you don't know is what you may not know is that washing feet was reserved for the person in the lowest in society. It wasn't for the person that had all the authority, all the power. It wasn't for the person that was the son of God. Jesus was saying it's not about the title. It's about the towel. He got up and he washed the feet of his betrayer. He washed the feet of his denier. He washed the feet of the people who were going to hurt him the most. He stooped down and he washed their feet. He washed the feet of the person that was going to hurt him the most. And the next day, he died on the cross (laughs) for their denial, for their betrayal, and for their abandonment. He did that for them and he did that for you that for me, for all the times that we denied Him, for all the times that we betrayed Him, for when we held back. But He also did that to show that we can follow. We can follow Him. We can follow His lead. Listen, following Jesus isn't just about the mountaintop. It's not about just everything that's good and awesome. It's not about the authority and the power that we have in His name. It's not about the position. It's about the the towel. It's about washing feet. It's about learning to love the way that he loves. Learning to love him the way that he loves us. And learning to love his people the way that he loves his people. It's about following his Holy Spirit. So I want to challenge you today. Where do you need to pick up the towel? Who do you need to decide to serve? Or some of you might just be thinking, I just need to apologize. I realize all I've done is taken in a relationship, and I just need to apologize. Maybe some of you are thinking, I need to write a thank you note someone has really invested in me, they've served me, and I just need to say thank you. For some of you, you just need to go cut the grass. Empty the dishwasher. (coughs) Clean the floor. Show your spouse that you're going to spend your life serving them. Maybe your next step is just to start to pray. Pray. That God would heal your heart. That your heart's been so hurt. You've been okay to keep it at distance. And you know that that's your next step. You just got to start praying. Whatever your next step is, I want to challenge you today. Come up with a plan. Come up with a plan of how you're going to start following Jesus this week in that way. You can have that conversation to apologize. Start, write that thank you note before you watch that football game. Just write it. Empty the dishwasher. Maybe you just need to. We're going to have people here at the end for you to pray with. Maybe you just need to come up. And have someone pray with you so that you have a. Just, you can take that first step. Whatever that may look like. Whatever step you need to take, take it. Pick up the towel. Pick up the towel today. And choose this posture. Choose this posture to follow Jesus. It's our heart, that new community would be a place where we're all about the least, the lost, and the last. That we would just our heart would beat for the person that is the least of least of these in our community, in our in our spaces, in our environment, relationships. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.